Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Strange State, a true crime podcast. I am your host, Liz Higgins, back again for another week, and we're really excited. I just have some really quick announcements, and then we're going to get kind of right into it. We now have an official Facebook fan page, and I'm so excited. It is Strange State, a true crime podcast on Facebook.com. Oh, gosh, on Facebook.com. That made me sound super ancient and I'm not on Facebook you can search it you can find it we're gonna have updates there it's gonna be a really easy way for me to kind of communicate with you guys so I'm really excited for this opportunity and just to reach out to that much bigger of an audience because I want to be able to talk to you guys on all platforms it's super important to me I want to start a discussion group soon but that's going to be kind of based off you guys how you guys feel about it so please feel free reach out let me know how you feel I want to know if you're interested in talking with other people that like the same podcast you do so that is my main announcement and the second announcement is that we are that was a really really terrible drum sound but it's fine you got what the intention was we're doing a new state this week, and I am super excited because we're bringing it back to my side of the world. I am based out of North Carolina, in case you couldn't tell from context clues or from the first state that we did cover. Um, so I am really pumped to bring you guys back to the South a little bit, and we are going to be covering Tennessee for the next couple of episodes, and I'm really excited because i I'm not going to lie to you, there's some crazy people in Tennessee, and they make some real crazy decisions that result in some really interesting stories. So we are going to check out those really interesting stories, and that's going to start this week. So we are covering a brand new state this week by Washington. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun, but it's time to move on. My heart is with all the people in Washington during this disaster pandemic, whatever you feel the need to call it, just because they're, you know, being hit so hard and my heart really does go out to them and everybody involved in it. And I'm, we're going to get out of this. We're going to get through this together. There is sort of an end in sight. So keep your heads up, guys. We are all in this together. Don't be afraid to reach out to your friends. If you're feeling down, if you're feeling blue, I'm sure your friends would love to hear from you. Video chat, you know, write in a journal, make sure you keep with a routine. Even if it's a crazy routine, it's your routine and that keeps your body kind of in check. So make sure that you guys are just being super smart during this really difficult and unprecedented in our time and are a massive technology and social media and regular media. This is really an unprecedented thing for us to go through. And so it's so hard with it being kind of shoved down your throat all the time. So I won't talk about it any more than that. But again, feel free. You can even reach out to me. You have me on Instagram. You can follow my personal Instagram. I don't care. That's totally fine with me. And reach out to me and I will get back to you because we're all in this together and I care about you guys just as much as you guys care about this podcast and I want us all to be safe and I want us all to be happy and live our lives as best as we can. So 
With that being said, I am going to switch gears a little bit and we're going to go ahead and jump into this week's case because I am real pumped. It is a doozy and it is one that I've heard about and I think most people have probably heard about it, but just the details of this case are so insane and deranged. And I love a good deranged case. And it's also a woman. And you know I love a good deranged woman. So, let's get started. This week, we are covering Krista Gale Pike from Tennessee. Alright, let's jump in. Krista Gale Pike was born prematurely on March the 10th, 1976, in a small town in West Virginia. Her dad was out of the picture from an early age, and as she got older, her mother wanted to treat her as more of a friend than a daughter. So she thought the best way to do that was to introduce her to drugs as a way to bond. They would smoke weed together. She was primarily raised by her grandmother until her death in Krista's early teens, and that rocked the young girl, her grandmother was um, an alcoholic, and she did have a lot of issues and projected a lot of emotional issues onto Krista, so that's kind of important to just keep in the back of your head, but when her grandmother died, that was the only person that really had been like looking out for her since she was born, so that was pretty rough for her. It was then that her father decided to step back into the picture to help care for Krista and took over her primary guardianship, but it proved to be very difficult for him. He said that she was constantly lying to him and acting really strange and manipulative, kind of standoffish, and would do really weird things. He had finally had enough when she turned 18, and he suspected of her sexually abusing his two-year-old daughter from a different marriage. So it is important to note that it wasn't her sister, which doesn't make it any better because it was a two-year-old child, but I think that can't get confusing, so I just want you guys to make sure you remember that. He had had enough, and he was over it, and so he kicked her out. With nowhere to live and her own family kind of afraid to take her in, Krista decided to move from Durham, North Carolina to Knoxville, Tennessee to join the Job Corps. According to JobCorps.gov, the Job Corps program is a voluntary program administered by the United States Department of Labor that offers free-of-charge education and vocational training to young men and women ages 16 to 24. This type of environment would have been perfect for young Krista. She was having some confusing emotional issues, and she really just needed to learn a skill and get out there and get into the job world. And it's also a great environment because while they're learning a skill, they do obtain housing. So for a lot of kids, especially the age of 18, she's technically an adult. She can't go into foster care. She would have been homeless without this option. So I think that is super important to remember. Hopefully, this would be a turning point for young Krista in her life. She was really trying to turn things around at this point. So this was kind of her last resort and her last option. She didn't have any other thing to go to. So things were really looking up for her when she moved there and got involved and she found to Daryl Ship, another troubled youth that was seeking refuge at the Job Corps of Knoxville, Tennessee. 
Tadaryl also grew up with a pretty troubled background, and he turned to the religion of Satanism at around the age of nine as a way to make sense of it all for himself. When Krista met him, she was immediately head over heels in love with him, becoming very possessive and very jealous, because that's kind of the only thing that Krista knew how to do. She started to practice his version of Satanism, which was very loosely based on the actual structured religion. It soon turned to talks of sacrifices and rituals and really things that the actual Church of Satan or Satanism Church, I'm not sure the correct way to say it, I'm going to go with Church of Satan, doesn't really condone. Um, if you read up on their feelings and their belief systems, a lot of their stuff is pretty peaceful and chill. It just has that word Satan on it, and so it makes people feel a little uneasy, but there's no reason for you to feel that way. It's just a different way of looking at the world. Research it if you feel interested. Just, just saying. Soon, they also became friends with Shadola Peterson and Colleen Slimmer. Colleen was from Florida and was just excited to make some friends in this new place. She had ended up at the Job Corps of Knoxville after struggling in school because of a learning disorder. She was finally branching out, getting to know people, and was enjoying her life. When she arrived, she was less than impressed with the facilities, though, complaining to her mom over the phone that there was no structure and that the actual facility was, like, gross and really not taken care of and that the kids kind of ran the facility. And so she was kind of feeling unsafe and didn't really feel grounded in her decision to go there. It was kind of on the fence about leaving or not. She was making some friends, though, even if their attitudes did make her feel a little uneasy. It was said that Krista was very unpredictable. She could be super, super nice, your best friend, really sweet one second, and then the very next second kind of turn on you just based off something she thought in her own head. Unfortunately for her, she was very pretty and very lovable, and that type of person did threaten Krista Pike. She had never felt like she was worth anything, so she saw everything that she hated in Colleen Slimmer, and so that really made a really bad friendship between the two of them. They were constantly arguing, and Krista was constantly hounding Colleen about being after her boyfriend to Daryl, which is unfounded if you talk to any of other friends that were there at the time, any of Colleen's other friends, they all say that she had absolutely no feelings for Tadaryl and that it was all in Krista's imagination, but Krista would not hear it. She just knew that that's what Colleen was there for and what she wanted. Colleen herself would always deny the accusations and Krista would never be satisfied. She would constantly complain to Tadaryl and Shadola that quote-unquote, that little whore has to be taught a lesson, end air quotes. Soon, she was concocting a plan. And now we are going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. So, how are you listening to this podcast? Are you listening on 
Apple Music? Are you listening on Spotify? I bet you're listening on Stitcher. That's how I listen to podcasts. I love Stitcher. It is home to over 260,000 podcasts from classics like My Favorite Murder and Crime Junkies and Cults and Haunted Places. It's got such a wide range. It also has smart recommendations and playlists so you can find your favorite shows and organize all your current podcasts you're listening to. And it'll even learn your patterns and start picking podcasts for you. And it hasn't steered me in the wrong direction yet. Stitcher is a free app for iPhone and Android. So you can get it on both. And it's awesome. Now, if you're listening on Stitcher, do you have Stitcher Premium? Stitcher Premium has bonus episodes, exclusive shows, and ad-free listening. I have Stitcher Premium. Do you like true crime? Listen to exclusive archives from Criminology or bonus episodes from True Crime Garage or ad-free episodes of My Favorite Murder if you're into that. You can sign up today for only $4.99 a month or $34.99 for an entire year. If you use our promo code Strange State, you will get an entire month for free to try it out. So go to stitcher.com slash premium to sign up today and use that promo code. Promo codes are unfortunately not valid on the app at the moment, but they are working to fix that. So it must be used on the website. Again, strange state. Free. Free month. Go do it now. Okay, let's get back to the story. On January the 12th of 1995, the four friends agreed to meet at an old mill on the University of Tennessee campus. They were going to talk through their issues, smoke some weed, and hopefully put everything behind them. Colleen, who was thinking about moving back home to Florida after all the back and forth with Krista, was kind of miserable in Tennessee, and she was really hoping that this conversation would make things go back to the way they were. The following I'm going to read is from Krista Pike's own confession. According to Pike, she asked Slimmer to accompany her to the Blockbuster Music Store. And as they were walking, Pike told Slimmer that she had a bag of weed hidden in Tyson Park. Though Pike refused to name the other parties involved in the incident, she said the group began walking towards the UT campus. Upon arriving at the steam plant on UT's agricultural campus, Pike and Slimmer exchanged words. Pike then began hitting Slimmer and banging Slimmer's head on her knee. Pike threw Slimmer to the ground and kicked her repeatedly. According to Pike, as she slammed Slimmer's head against the concrete, Slimmer repeatedly asked, Why are you doing this to me? When Slimmer threatened to report Pike so she would be terminated from the job corps permanently, Pike again repeatedly kicked Slimmer in the face and side. Slimmer lay on the ground and cried for a time and then tried to run away but another person with Pike caught Slimmer and pushed her to the ground. Pike and the other person, who Pike referred to as he, held Slimmer down until she stopped struggling, and then dragged her to another area where Pike cut Slimmer's stomach with a box cutter. As Slimmer screamed and screamed, Pike recounted how she began to hear voices telling her that she had to do something to prevent Slimmer from telling on her, and sending her to prison for attempted murder. At this point, Pike said she was just looking at Slimmer and just watching her bleed. When Slimmer rolled over, stood up, and tried to run away, Pike cut Slimmer's back, 
the big, long cut on her back, Pike specified. Pike said Slimmer repeatedly tried to get up and run. Pike recounted how Slimmer bargained for her life, begging Pike to talk to her and telling her that if she would just let her go, she would walk back to her home in Florida without returning to the Job Corps facility for even her belongings. Pike told Slimmer to shut up because it was harder to hurt somebody when they're talking to you. Pike said that the more Slimmer talked, the more she kicked Slimmer in the face. Slimmer asked Pike what she was going to do to her, at which point Pike thought she heard a noise. Pike left the scene to check out the surrounding area to make sure no one else was around. When she returned, Pike began cutting Slimmer across the throat. When Slimmer continued to talk and beg for her life, Pike cut Slimmer's throat several other times. Pike said that Slimmer continued to talk and tried to sit up even though her throat had been cut and that Pike and the other person would push her back to the ground. Slimmer attempted to run away again, and Pike threw a rock which hit Slimmer in the back of her head. Pike stated that the other person also hit Slimmer in the head with a rock. When Slimmer fell to the ground, Pike continued to hit her. Eventually, Pike said she could hear Slimmer breathing blood in and out, and she could see Slimmer jerking. But Pike kept hitting her, and hitting her, and hitting her. Eventually, Pike asked Slimmer, Colleen, do you know who's doing this to you? Slimmer's only response was a groaning noise. At this point, Pike said she and the other person grabbed each one of Slimmer's feet and dragged her to an area near some trees, leaving her body on a pile of dirt and debris. They left Slimmer's clothing in the surrounding bushes, and Pike said the episode lasted for about 30 minutes to an hour. Pike admitted that she and the other person had forced the victim to remove her blouse and her bra during the incident to try to keep Slimmer from running away. Pike also admitted that she had removed a rag from her hair and tied it around Slimmer's mouth at one point to try to prevent Slimmer from talking. It is said, according to testimonies and the autopsy, that the torture did last for 30 minutes to an hour before Colleen was finally killed. Before she left Colleen's poor and mutilated body, half-naked and abandoned in the woods, she made a decision that would prove to be her downfall. Krista Pike reached down and plucked a piece of Colleen's skull out of the wreckage, with the hair still attached to keep as a trophy. The next day, she began showing off the piece of skull and bragging about the murder to anyone that would listen to her. One of the other Job Corps participants immediately became suspicious and went to the police. And upon further investigation, they found the logbook with all four of the people signing out at the same time, but only three individuals signing back in. Krista, Tadaryl, and Shadola's time was up. They were all three arrested just 36 hours later. During the investigation and the interrogation, the above confession was taken, although she maintained that the original intent was to just scare her away, and it got out of hand. Krista's trial began on March the 22nd, 1996. One of the most compelling testimonies was given by Dr. Sandra Elkins, the coroner on the case, describing the wounds to Colleen's body, followed by the voice of Krista describing the actions that caused those wounds. After two hours of deliberation, the jury found her guilty of murder and sentenced to the death penalty, which in Tennessee in 1996 was the electric chair. 
This who made her the youngest woman on death row. She was also charged with conspiracy to commit murder, but the trial was held a little while later in June of 1996. In an effort to make her look more innocent before the second trial, her lawyer set her up for an interview where it is said she looked every bit the part of a lost and confused teenager with the small voice of an angel. This would prove futile, though, because the first witness prosecution called for the conspiracy trial was a guard from her cell block who testified that directly after receiving her death penalty and the murder case, Krista sat in a cell and wrote a letter to her love to Daryl Shipp. This letter was confiscated by the jail and turned over as evidence, evidence of the coldness in her heart. The DA read the note aloud, and I'm going to read this letter to you now. It is graphic, and it does contain some expletives that I am going to read. So just to warn you, if you do have any children around you and you don't want them to hear some bad words, now would be the time to skip the next few seconds. <laughs> hey, love, I just want you to know how much I love you. I have 10 months left to live. Imagine that. I'd spend every moment with you if I could, baby. I want you to tell them that you lied in your statement and go along with mine, okay? Please write me. I miss you so much. You see what I get for trying to be nice to that hoe? I went ahead and bashed her brains out so she'd die quickly instead of letting her bleed to death, and they fucking fry me. Ain't that some shit? Please write me and tell me what you're feeling. Also, tell your lawyer if he wants me to testify for you, I will. Love you for the rest of my life, little devil. She was also convicted of the conspiracy charge almost immediately, sentencing her to an additional 25 years on top of her death penalty conviction. Even her appeals process wasn't without flair. When in 2002, she submitted an appeal, then she requested that the court actually ignore that original appeal and set an execution date, which they did, August 19th, 2002. When her lawyers quickly tried to intervene and reinstate the appeal, the courts finally gave in on August the 2nd of 2002, throwing out her execution date. Also of that year, Krista had an altercation with another inmate that she then tried to strangle with a shoelace. Her attempt was interrupted by officers, but she did tell her mom later over the phone that I betcha if she gets near me again, I'm going to do it again. She was convicted of attempted first-degree murder on August the 12th of 2004. In March of 2012, she made headlines again after being caught orchestrating an escape plot involving herself, a man she had been writing back and forth with for months, and a prison guard. That escape attempt involved the copying of a key that would be her means of salvation. The plan was discovered before they could attempt, and all three were charged. Since then, she stayed pretty quiet and remains on death row to this day. She has exhausted all of her state-level appeals, and at least one of her appeals on the federal level has been denied. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Strange State Pod, like us on Facebook, Strange State, a true crime podcast, and check out our website, strangestatepodcast.wordpress.com. We also have a Patreon that the links are on all of those aforementioned social media 
pages that you can join to get some additional cases and some additional perks. So be sure to check all those things out. I will see you guys very soon and stay strange until next time.